Welcome to The Whole Truth with Jill Rosenzweig, a podcast which endeavors to expose the truth behind legal stories that are distorted by mainstream media. And now, here's your host, passionate truth seeker and veteran attorney, Jill Rosenzweig. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of The Whole Truth with Jill Rosenzweig. I'm your host, Jill Rosenzweig, and this episode is part two to what I recorded earlier this week with my guest, Pierre DeBoss, who's a real estate attorney. This episode is to get into the specifics when it comes to mortgages and how you might manage dealing with your mortgage in light of coronavirus. And so I thought it would be great to bring on a mortgage expert. And so our guest today is a mortgage broker who's based out of Philadelphia. His name is Chad Levine. And he handles mortgages for residential and commercial property all over the country. Welcome, Chad Levine, to the podcast. Thanks so much for coming on. Jill, thanks very much for having me. So I actually wanted to talk to you probably about the question that is at the forefront of a lot of people's minds. Just say someone is recently laid off or they have a small business that's not operating right now because of coronavirus or they are freelance and their industry is not operating right now, and essentially they're faced with the prospect of not being able to pay their mortgage, what exactly should they do right now? Well, the first step is, is to really relax and take a deep breath. Um, it's a very difficult time, and my job as a real estate loan officer, or I should say mortgage broker, is has really switched recently. Um, before, it's always been about rates and getting loans and all those things. And now my goal is to, to be a resource of information for all of my past clients, family, and friends to really help them get the relief they need during this time. Uh, the, the, the federal government, through the CFPB, which is the Consumer Protection Agency, uh, really does a good job in making sure that there's an element of protection within every standard residential mortgage loan. Uh, and when I say that, uh, it's more of the boilerplate, Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac loans, some of the other loans, the jumbos and things like that, they may have some different language in them. But for the most part, every residential loan has a section in there for to, to address these specific issues. And if you were to look at your loan documents, what section would that be? So if someone's sitting in their house right now, and they want to look to see if they have certain provisions, what should they be looking for? So there's always an element in there for loan counseling, and that's the key element to all of this. If you ever reach any point of a financial hardship during the time you have a mortgage, the first key, most critical, most important step is you have to call the company. You have to call the servicer of the mortgage, and it's not always the person that originally got it. So there's the difference between the originating bank and the servicer. Many times they're different, uh, and the servicer are always the people you find at the top of your bill every single month. Uh, and you have to call them immediately, and you have to say to them, what programs do you have available right now during this time period to help me? And it's an unprecedented time, not just for the from the from what's going on with the obvious coronavirus, it's an unprecedented time because the, the amount of people 
that are being affected by this from a mortgage perspective is so large that the each bank is being forced to do something on the federal level. Right now, it's more of a recommendation than it is an actual declaration or order. Uh, however, I do believe in the next couple days, you're going to see a standardized uniform approach. I know I saw that Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac, I saw that announcement that those types of loans might be, the, the payments might be suspended. But what about other loans? Uh, what about loans for higher amounts? So it's a great question too, right? So we've got to break down the different types of loans that are available. And really the types of loans that are available have to do with a couple key elements. Um, the, the loan size often determines whether or not it fits within the conventional guideline. Conventional guidelines are dictated by the government via Fannie Mae and Freddie Mac. And that's how they, they basically say, if your loan hits all these checkboxes, the loan size is X amount, the credit score is X amount, the debt to income is X amount, then it falls within what they call a Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac conventional loan. And by doing that, you're almost guaranteeing yourself the ability to sell that loan to the government. That's what every one of, one of these banks do. Whenever you go above that loan amount, and the, the most common term is called a jumbo loan. And the jumbo loans themselves do have elements of consumer protection. So I don't want people to think that they're out and they're, they're high and dry just because they're not in the conventional loan. No matter what, if it's for your primary residence, on the federal and the state level, you will have some element of consumer protection. Uh, however, it's a different it's a different type of loan because those loans themselves are actually regulated differently um, in a sense that it's more at the discretion of those larger banks. But the, the key here in this particular thing, Jill, is that, uh, that, that honestly, that there is some element of relief happening on all playing fields for all loans. And the most important step that everyone can take right now is forgetting the pull-out. You don't even have to get that technical. Just just call your servicer, call your bank. And what type of things are they offering right now? So I know that there's talk of asking for a forbearance. Um, yep. But I also, I mean, I looked up what exactly that entails, and it seems to me in reading about it that if you ask for a forbearance and you're given the forbearance, isn't it true that basically all that does is put a pause on your mortgage obligations, but then when you're past the whole coronavirus phase and you're working again, the bank is going to expect you to make a lump sum payment of everything that you owe? And that's a great question. And the answer is, everyone's forbearance program is actually different right now. So today is March 27th, and we're still not at the first of the month. And let's talk about the different programs. So Fannie and Freddie on the 25th announced that they're going to do a 12-month uh, deferment of, of mortgage payments. That's the one you saw. And the one, what they're referring to there is the actual movement of the payments to extend the life of the loan. And that's what everyone wants. I mean, how much sense does it make to just defer two or three months of payments and then tell someone in July they owe a balloon when they're just getting back to work? And, and July is a theoretical number. Who knows when we're going to be out there, right? Right. So, so how is it that someone's going to be out of work and they're going to all of a sudden have all of that money 
and and be able to pay that, that, that doesn't make any sense. So the most logical program is the one that Danny and Freddie are going to do, and this is the key part. So this is where it gets confusing. Danny and Freddie, in addition to being a purchaser of loans, they're also a servicer of loans. So they themselves service loans. So those particular that particular four-branch program is for people that actually have statements that say Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac at the top. Everyone else, Bank of America, TD Bank, Wells Fargo, Citizens Bank, all these different banks right now have all different forbearance programs. And again, I believe because of the volume and the demand that, that it is going to become more standardized, but right now you have to contact the individual bank to find out what it is. So Fannie and Freddie's doing the deferment of 12 months, adding to the end of the loan. Um, I know speaking from experience, Citizens Bank is taking two payments, and, you know, for example, April and May's payment, and they're all going to be due at the end of the month, okay, of May. I'm sorry, the end of what month? The end of May. So May 23rd would be April and May's payment. Um, other banks are doing a three-month, a three-month, so in July, all three months would be due in July, but you don't have to make any payments now. The key element that they're doing, you know, in the moment, or, or as what we're calling a courtesy, which I don't believe is that much of a courtesy, is they're, they're going to not be um, adding any extra interest for late payments. You're not going to be considered making late payments, so it's not going to be recorded, reported negatively to the credit bureau, so it'll have no impact on your score. But here's the other key part. As of right now, some banks are reporting it as a forbearance and some banks are not. And I've spoken to a bunch of my credit experts locally, and the reality is this is the first time in history that honestly... Whether or not it says forbearance, no one's going to care. So people need to not be afraid that there's going to be a forbearance on their credit report because, honestly, no one in their right mind is going to look at you and say you're unfit to get a loan simply because you you filed a forbearance during the coronavirus. Do you think that, just going back to what you said earlier in terms of what you expect will happen with the federal government, do you think the federal government will pass a law or institute an order where every single bank will have to comply with the exact same process so that it's not a piecemeal thing where Bank of America is offering one program and Wells Fargo is offering a different program. I do believe that that's in the works. Everything I've been reading saying that was next after this, this $2 trillion stimulus bill is just, well, actually still not passed, but it's almost there. And yes, the answer is I do believe that. But here's the key. The key is, while the government can come out and say that, the reason that this is going to be held up or might create difficulty across the board is because this is not a bailout package. So this money isn't going to pay executives' bonuses. It's not going to pay uh, overhead for the companies. It's literally making sure that these specific banks that still owe money, they owe money. The banks themselves, they do hold notes, right? But when it's not the bank, like, for example, there are a bunch of servicers that aren't the bank. They're just literally, for lack of a better term, a call center. And they're collecting payments, and they're, and they're making the payments on your behalf. And they still have to make these payments. Like mortgage insurance, uh, primary mortgage insurance companies, principal and interest, these payments still have to be made. And the problem is, is that these banks don't have the cash to do it. So if they can't collect the money from you, they have to have the money somewhere, 
and they're going to ask the federal government for that money to help. So do I believe that a more standardized approach that's logical, that makes more sense, is in the works? Yes. But right now, on March 27, 2020, it's highly individualized and dependent upon every servicer. But, again, I'm going to say this multiple times, call and get on record that you need it. There's no harm in doing that. Okay. That's that's good to know. And what about in instead of a forbearance request, what about the idea of refinancing so that you're making a lower payment each month? Is that something that you would suggest? And, you know, it's an interesting question, too. So the answer is um, they call it loan modification, right? So anytime you're going to actually change your loan, um, that's something that they're talking about doing. So there's a couple of things being discussed. The first is just deferring the payments for two or three months and then owing them at the, at the end of which of that period, which is a balloon, which we both agree is stupid, right? That right. So that's, that, that's the first, that's just so stupid. I mean, I'm going to be out of work and then I'm going to say, whatever, I can go on and on about that. The second, the second <laughs> option is adding it to the end of the loan. That makes the most sense. Like, give me another year. What do I care? Just get me through the coronavirus. Right. right? Like, that makes the most sense. The third option is going to be a, a true loan modification, and that's going to be when they're going to change the terms of the loan. And in essence, that's your refinance. Um, the, the downside to that is that in reality, if you refinance, the chances of you getting a, a, a lower rate is probably going to be a lot less likely. And right now, um, compared to the past couple of weeks, rates aren't that great. I mean, they really aren't. They're not as good as they were two weeks ago when with that one Friday, it was like the lowest in 50 years. We're not there, right? Okay. But is it an option for relief? Absolutely. If someone has a 15-year, I'm doing it right now. I have a guy that he, he, his wife works in restaurants. She got laid off. He's in a 15-year. He wants to go to 30 just to lower his payment. Yeah, it makes, let me tell you what makes sense, Joe. What makes sense is to survive. That's what makes sense. So for someone trying to analyze these things, their best option is to call their service provider and say, I'm trying to figure this out. Is it better for me financially? Can they give you the numbers and sort of allow you to analyze whether or not it makes more sense for you to seek uh, forbearance versus refinancing? To give you the the real answer or the ideal answer. So the real answer is right now, they're as lost as everyone else. And every time we speak to them, it sounds like they're reading off a script. Okay. Uh, so they're not going to give you... The, the, the best thing they can do right now is document in your file that you're claiming hardship. That's step number one. Analyzing the details will come. Uh, but let's be honest, Jill. What do we have? Five or six days to the first of the month? Right. Uh, I, I mean, you know, to sit there and try and scrutinize everything when you haven't had a paycheck and you're trying to get a grocery delivery that won't deliver for two weeks, that's like the last thing you want to think about. So my thing is, get the, get it in there, tell them that you're going through a hardship. Once that's done, then speak to your broker or your originator and say, hey, you know, I want to analyze this with you, and, and I want you to tell me, you know, what what's the best option going forward once I'm in one of these programs. Okay. And just to change topics a little bit here, what about... Sure borrowing against your home if you need funds if you need liquid assets right now is there a way of getting a second mortgage or doing other types of borrowing so it's, you know what's so hard now because 
what's the what's the most critical element of, of your ability to repay a mortgage? Your most critical element is job stability and employment, right? Right. So there's no way that someone who's unemployed is going to be able to do that, and it stinks because, of course, that's what you'd want to do. The only the only people that have a saving grace right now are people that have an, a, an open line of credit that they never tapped. So creating, opening up new forms of loans or new new lines that we call it that haven't been there before, it's a reapplication process and when you're unemployed, you're not going to get it. Right. What about someone who is mid-transaction and they're in the process of trying to secure a loan the coronavirus is ongoing and they've suddenly been laid off. So all of their financial records that they submitted before made them eligible to secure a loan, but now they have no job and no income. And the most kosher and legal answer to that, and that's what I'm going to keep it because we're telling the whole truth, right? Yes, we are telling the whole truth. Yes. <laughs> so because we're telling, we're telling the whole truth is as soon as you render yourself unemployed, you won't be able to close the loan. Got it. Okay. So for someone who is mid-transaction, they now need to worry about potentially not buying the house that they were intent on buying. Correct. Unfortunately. And, you know, to back that up, every single bank that I work with has recently made much more stringent um, policies like usually, uh, you know, we, we look at a, like basically it's three or four different factors, right? So it's debt, credit, income, asset. Uh, and when, you know, your debt, your debt is your, it's what we see in your credit report. Your credit is obviously your credit score. Your income is your gross income. And then it's your assets, your ability to, and that's, that has more to do with like the initial element of the loan and getting the closing and the cost. But when you're looking at debt to income and you're looking at credit score, all of those things that, that are the critical elements in getting the loan, usually those numbers were a little lower. Now they're higher. They're making the bar higher because they notice so much unemployment. So what used to be a 43% DPI is now 50. What used to be a minimum credit score of a 620 or even a 580 is a 660. So it's, it's more difficult right now to get a loan. Got it. So for people yeah. thinking that now might be a good time to buy a house they need to factor in the possibility that it may be a lot harder to secure a mortgage. It depends on what line of work they're in. People, I mean, as, as, as ironic as this sounds, people in healthcare are fine. Right. Um, people that are, that are maintaining jobs and have their steady pay are, are going to be fine. Is it, an, is it an advantage for people like that? Yes, you can see the house. <laughs> right. Yeah, that's obviously a challenge in terms of trying yeah. to actually view homes right now. It's a cluster, Jill. It's, it's it's like one of these things where every one of us in the industry are like, we're so dumbfounded. Yeah. Right. Okay. But your best advice for people that are worrying is that they should contact the service provider and chances are they will be able to be forgiven in terms of their mortgage obligations for the time being. Let me put it to you this way. To get forbearance traditionally, right, in order to be eligible for it, it's, there's a paper trail, there's evidence, there's documents. It's a process, right? Now it's not a process. You just say one word, corona. So you don't have to demonstrate hardship? Just say you not lost your job and you have savings, but you're not, you're not making income right now. Do you have to show that 
your savings won't get you through this period? What do you have to demonstrate? And that's why it's so unprecedented. So for the first time ever, you don't have to demonstrate anything. Interesting. Yeah, you don't have to demonstrate anything. I mean, are, are they really looking for true people that are going through it? Absolutely. And, there are, and, and, and you'll read everywhere. Don't stop paying it. You still owe the money. This is all true. So don't assume that you're just going to do it. But don't, please don't make that assumption because you will destroy yourself financially. But um, I will tell you that this is the first time it's ever been, for lack of a better term, easy to get into forbearance. Now, granted, it's a, it, forbearance by definition is a temporary hardship. It's not a permanent one. It's temporary. So for you to, to qualify for this is not, it, it's easier than unemployment. Interesting. Okay. So when you're looking at your expenses and you're trying to figure out what is the first thing to go, the first step would be to look at your mortgage and see if there's any way to put a pause on it so that you can allocate your income or your resources savings to other things that are obviously very important to maintain, like food and... I mean, Jill, that's the craziest thing in all of this, right? Why are people so scared about about not being out there working? Why Why was everyone... I mean, aside from the people that are they're ignoring the basic things, which I won't even go there, that, that's a whole different issue, but everyone was nervous because they had to do one thing, pay their mortgage. You should be focused on one thing right now, staying healthy and staying alive and keep doing the same thing for your family. And this one key element that creates the most element of pressure is it really is it can be removed. And I absolutely I'm a mortgage person. I make money off of people doing loans and I'm trying to be a human in, an, in, in a very humanistic environment right now. And I'm telling people, get that relief off your chest. Okay. In on feeding your families, taking, staying healthy, and, and doing what you can to fight this thing so that we can flatten that curve because the mortgage should not be your worry right now. If you're not working, why why should you be accountable for paying your mortgage if you, from a government perspective, were told you can't work? Right, right. Yeah, from a contractual perspective, the idea would be that it's impossible to perform so when you have a contractual obligation and the government is saying you can't earn an income right now because you have a store and you're not allowed to operate your store or you're working in a non-essential business and there's no way to do it remotely, there, there are certain factors here that are at play that I would argue render it impossible to perform your side of the contract. And so I think your advice is very sound. I think anyone who's concerned about paying their mortgage should heed this advice and call your service provider today. And we'll see what happens with the federal government. And hopefully you're right. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can't stress it enough. And, you know, at some point we all have to turn off the, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm ashamed or I don't want to do that or that's not who I am. Well, guess what? When coronavirus hit, none of that matters. Right. None of that matters. It just doesn't matter. And, and you can speak from a legal perspective. A contract is really a, a communication. It, it, it's a formal communication between both parties. So if you don't, if you don't communicate with your servicer that you can't make your payment, you're not upholding your end of the contract. And I'm telling you, because I've been through it already with people, it is not a hard process. 
And okay. I'm, and, I'm, and I'm passionate about it, Jill. I'm passionate about it because as, as passionate as I am as helping people get into their homes, I'm also passionate about them keeping their homes and more importantly, staying alive through this crazy, crazy mess. Would you say for people that are confused about the process and are unsure as to what they should do, that they should reach out to their broker? You know, the only reason why I say no is because, unfortunately, the broker, he was your he was your most tangible, most tactile, I would say most personal piece in the beginning of your mortgage process. But as soon as that loan is closed, the broker really has nothing to do with it. Um, now, I will say, I've heaved a lot of calls from any of my clients, and if you're a good mortgage person and you're a true professional, you will assist in any way possible because you care. Right. Um, so so the answer is, the only reason I say no is because they're not going to be able to give you a definitive answer. But, however, if you have a good relationship and you want to say, hey, point me somewhere, absolutely. I mean, definitions are on CFPB.gov, um, the Consumer Protection Bureau's website. Uh, that's CFPB, so Chat, Frank, Paul, Barry. Um, CFPB.gov, so you can read. That's where all of the of the legal elements of the mortgage and, and consumer protection and all of the laws surrounding those things are there for you to read as a consumer. Um, and then as far as, as getting your servicer's information, just pull out your statement and it'll be right there. Okay, sounds great. Thank you so much for coming on. I'm sure this is very helpful to the people listening to this. Uh, it's just a complicated time, and I think the more information people have, the better, so that they're not worrying unnecessarily about things that they can actually control right now. Yeah, it was my pleasure, Jill, and you really do a great job with these pieces. It's, uh, it's extremely valuable in a time when information is very, very messy. Thank you. I appreciate that. And where can people find you? So, as uh, cheesy as it sounds, um, my, my partner, Chad Maxson, and I have a team website called MortgageAllStars.com, uh, and that, that's where you can find us. Amazing. I'll also include a link to that so that people can find you. Thank you so much, and uh, just stay safe, and I, I hope everyone in your family stays safe and is healthy. You as well, Jill. Take it easy. Thank you so much. Thank you so much.